Welcome to the premiere of season two of the Good Grief, Good God Show. Coming up in two and a half minutes is part one of two of our first episode. Part two premieres on Tuesday, February 20th. Before we begin, here's a short preview followed by a brief guest introduction. I, honestly, I'm, this is no joke. I'm like, oh my God, Cheryl's going into the Hall of Fame Friday night and I asked her to do this on Wednesday. The fact that you're here. That doesn't change. I mean, honestly, okay, just, Sunday we land, we go straight to the ball field. The Rock Hall, I feel extremely blessed. And that that goes into the closet of all the blessings from all these years. And tucked away in there is cancer and tucked away in there is losing people I loved. But right now, this, I was excited to get here and to talk to you and to see you. My grief right now, and I think I can say it because I know my parents don't listen to podcasts. My mom has dementia. I mean, I miss her so much. It's just heartbreaking. And yet she's still here. I tell my siblings, you have to grieve it while you're in it because it's not going anywhere. My challenge now will be to remember her as she was and not as she is. And you will when she's gone. I you, think you so. Will. I, I believe that. Welcome to the Good Grief, Good God Show, hosted by Grammy nominee and Emmy award-winning hit songwriter, Brad Warren of the Warren Brothers. Join Brad monthly on the first, third, and fifth Tuesdays of audio or on YouTube for raw, honest conversation about surviving things that suck. For today's episode, Brad welcomes nine-time Grammy award winner, 2023 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, singer-songwriter, Cheryl Crow. Cheryl got her first big break, touring as a backup singer for Michael Jackson on his Bad Tour. Fast forward nearly 40 years later, she sold over 50 million records. She's a living legend who's captivated audiences worldwide. She will release her 11th studio record, Evolution, on March 28th. Available now to pre-order at CherylCrow.com. Lastly, not only is Cheryl a rock star, but she also utilizes her platform to advocate for mental health initiatives. I'm producer Matt Pivoto. To learn more about today's guest, Brad, and the show, check the description where you'll also find clickable links to access this episode's audio and video links to connect to the show on social media and to visit goodgriefgoodgodshow.com. They're on the website. You'll be able to access the most up-to-date show information and the back catalog of episodes plus more. Lastly, we value your feedback, so please hit that like and subscribe button and leave us a comment or review. On the behalf of Brad's wife and executive producer, Michelle Warren, and segment producer, guest booker, Lisa Bolt, thank you for tuning in. The Good Grief, Good God Show is brought to you in loving memory of Sage Michael Warren. Well, you're over there. Over here, okay. Sorry, just because I can't. It's great for you. My but, boys um, are 13 and 16. Are Tour. they that old already? Yeah, 16. I have a driver. Oh, my God. So corporates are what are keeping my band and crew. I mean, that's, I remember James Taylor saying, well, you know, I feel like if you're playing for people that like your music, what's the difference? Here's you know, what I, I mean, and also you're a rock star, so it's different. But for a songwriter, we have small, intelligent, curious crowds yep. that listen. And it's a storytelling thing. So for us, it's a little different. We, we have done Gone With McGraw. I love that. As, yeah. Just as a writer. And by the, they don't know who you are when you start. And by the end, they're like, oh, this is great. Yeah. It always, it's better than roofing. There, there was, we were with him once on. Better than roofing. I love that. But he's already filming. Okay, good. So whatever's this gone on. This is like really pro. Yeah, yeah. He, this Matt Pivotel back there. But I would try to have a hard start. And then, and then he would put it on. I don't look at it before it goes out there. And, and it started right when we sat down. So I'm okay, making fun of somebody. Right, good, good. <laughs> You got to tell me about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I have to say it was a lot like throwing a wedding. I mean, honestly, I had my entire family there with the exception of my mom and dad and my sister. And I'll tell you something that's incredible. There were so many little things around the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that overshadowed that for me. And one of them was my hometown. 
I'm from a really small town with like three stoplights, an A&W and a Dairy Queen. And, you know, that's what we did. We circled, you know, everybody had albums. There wasn't social media, obviously. And it's still like that. And and there was a town square around the courthouse. Now Walmart moved in and everything collapsed on itself. But the town is still, it's all churches and everything. There's one movie theater and the lady that owns it, she and her husband, go to our church and they decided for my mom and dad, because they couldn't come, that they would live stream the Rock Hall at the movie theater. They had a red carpet. They had photographers. They gave away prizes. I mean, that's awesome. It was incredible. So when I got up there to make my speech, I was just like, "Okay, all y'all in Kenneth, hi, love you." Um, yeah, I mean, it's well, you know, I mean, how long we've we been doing this? I mean, I'm I'm thirty six, thirty seven years in. It's weird when you start. L- spending more time looking back than looking forward. Like I'm 61. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So to actually sit down and have to write. A th- You're what? It, I'm 61. So it's, it's crazy. You look great, by the way. Well, thank you. I uh, love the lighting in here. It's Yeah, fantastic. yeah, this is helpful. <laughs> Michelle occasionally is on in here, so this, you make sure that the lighting is, is right. Um, yeah, but it was cool. I mean, it was cool and it's cool. I mean, what can I say? Yeah, I'm not a person that handles these things very well. So. Well, you know what's funny, and I, I mean, I can say this, and you know that some, some, a few of my very best friends are very famous people, um, and then many of my friends are absolutely zero. So I, I run yeah, the same gamut. Same with me. Same with me. You are less full of shit than any celebrity I know. Oh my god, thank you. That's the truth. And I, I, I was know, 30. Well, I was. I should say musician. I was 29 <laughs> when my first record came out. I had had jobs. I had taught school. Um, I had been fired. I had waited tables. I had had a full person's life before I ever got to do what I'm doing now. I think it made a huge difference. And I had parents that were like, no, you will straighten up and fly right and be nice or (laughs) else, you know, and. Well, and then like the, the, your documentary was awesome. I I texted you when I saw it, but the, I could see you dating the guy that would only let you sing Christian music. I mean, so dump me. You came from that, like yes. I did too. We yeah. came from. We weren't allowed to listen to secular music. Yeah. Like at yeah, all. Yeah, I laugh about it all the time because my the girl that I hired to be my nanny, who still works with me, is my um, my assistant. But her parents um, banned me. She wasn't allowed to listen to me, and I was like, it all comes round. <laughs> we had yeah. nieces and nephews that weren't allowed to watch our reality show. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, there's like, to me, there's like a source of pride, you know, it's like, <laughs> I know the Lord knows who I am. So. Now, especially now, because yeah. beyond it, but um, yeah. uh, do you know Ernest? So I Brent know his and I story found and him, like he he was working at the Donut Den and we went and got him signed at Sony. L- long, funny story, whatever. But he said, when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to watch your TV show. So we would watch it at night. So I automatically loved you because I wasn't allowed to watch it. Yeah, your- well, I don't know. I mean. What was it about your music that they couldn't listen to? Just wasn't, um, it wasn't You know, Christian? F-bombs and drinking, talked about drinking and um, I don't really know. Um. You know, it's funny. It's funny to uh, to be older now and to be raising kids in this climate, and the conversations that we have about intention and about. I mean, my originally my kids were like, um, I was like, okay, you can't say hate and you can't say shut up. You know, like when you're raising little ones, right? Yeah. So I yeah. would hear them in the other room going, shh, shh, 
you know, like getting away with it, you know, and I, you know. Yeah, Were your boys at the Hall of Fame? Did they go? Made them go on the red carpet. I know. Do they get it at all? I mean. I think that was a moment. I think that was a moment. I think my 13-year-old really likes it when I'm just not her. You know what I mean? My 16-year-old remembers it better, you know. They both grew up on the tour bus, but I think he remembers it more. He's also more of an empath. He's, um, I mean, he was like proud papa, like arm around me and like, um, but I think they get it, you know. It's got to be weird. I mean, they have an older mom. I mean, I'm 20 years older than their mom. Yeah, moms, but you're, but you're, you're not, I mean? though. I mean, you're, you're, well, not to you. Your but, age is older. but No, but I know moms of, believe me, I know moms of But you know, old. like when you're a kid, like I can remember being in third or fourth grade and realizing that my parents were in their 40s and that they were going to be dead soon. I mean, because you know what I'm saying? It's like when you're a kid, right. you think 40 is like, oh, yeah. my God, they're like dead yeah. already. Yeah. So, and then we, yeah. I mean, I think old age likes you. I mean, I think it's. I like, love it, man. I don't say old age. That's really. That's almost well, I mean, too far to say, but we're, yeah. you know, when she crossed 50, they started sending me AARP stuff in the mail. I'm like, yes, I know. It's like a slap in the sales. face. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, okay with it. Yeah. The Hall of Fame is a, it's like this wonderful curtain call. On your it is. Career. But I, I would, I would be okay. I feel like you're okay with like, yeah, this is just certain part of this. It's over. I'm no longer climbing. I'm now flying yeah. or descending. Or, I mean, you know. I can't remember when my record level came to me is 2002 and they, they said they were going to put together greatest hits. And I was like, oh my God, I guess I'm getting dropped or, you know, is this it? Um, now I just feel like everything's icing on the cake. But I, I think I was telling you a while ago, I said, I, after the last record, I was singing with, this is going to sound super woo-woo, um, but I believe in woo-woo, so, you know. I, I totally believe in woo-woo. I'm all, like, yeah. angels and everything. No coincidences. Don't yeah. believe in them anymore. No, yeah. I, there's, I tell my kids all the time, no coincidences, you know, that everything lines up exactly as it's supposed to, and if you miss it, you miss it. But um, I was singing this song called Redemption Day, and Johnny Cash had recorded it, and I wanted to do a new version of it because of what was going on politically. So I called John Carter and I said, can I use his demo vocal? And he was like, yeah. So I recorded a new bed for it. And I loved his singing on it so much I didn't want to sing it. And the guy that was producing me, Steve Jordan, who's brilliant, he's like, you can't put it on the record unless you put your voice on it. Because it's not the Johnny Cash record, it's the Jericho record. It's like, I don't, mm-mm. So one night I went into the studio. Um, it was about 11 o'clock at night. My kids were in bed and I sang it and it was different. And I felt, I felt his presence and I'm not usually like that. I've only had it happen twice. I've had it happen with him and with Bill Graham. And, um, and I knew at that moment I was like, I'm done. I mean, cause I don't know how you, that for me was a signal. Mm-hmm. So I made this big announcement. I'm not making albums anymore. People don't listen to albums. I love the tradition of a beginning, a middle, and an end, but it's a waste of time. Anyway, so cut to now. And with this AI thing, <laughs> I mean, it blew my mind. So I wrote a song about AI, and I called Mike Elizondo, and I said, I have this song. I don't want to produce myself. I'm done with that. So he's like, okay. And I sent it to, I mean, I sent it to him, and I walked into the studio, and he created this. I mean, it was like the most beautiful cinematic backdrop to this song and I went home the next day and I wrote another song and then I wound up with nine songs that really were like okay I can't not do these and now I have a record so what do you do you want to hear God laugh telling your plans I, mean, I know was, I know he was up there like hello hello, hello. yeah I mean 
Matt, the guy back there behind the curtain. Uh, he he we met at a at a charity event in Austin, Texas, and he said, "Hey, I want you to do a podcast on grief." Well, yeah, yeah, right. Whatever. Definitely not doing a podcast on grief. That is, doesn't sound like any fun at all. And then um, he called. We talk on the phone a little bit. And I'm telling Michelle about it. And I'm telling her one day that I'm not doing it. She goes, "You know, you're doing that, right?" I'm like, "Am I?" <laughs> she goes, "Oh yeah, you're doing it, and we have to. We're doing it at our house." I'm like, "Oh really? Your house? You're going to let cameras and cigarette smoke and everything coming?" She goes, "Yes, we're doing this at our house." I just try not to say. If I say no, I'm going to do, do wind up doing that thing. I'm saying no to. So I just try to say yes. Now. Yeah. Quick. Yeah. Make it just pull the bandaid off. I, I love that. I love, I'm just going to say really quick. I love that you're doing it. I know more people now than I don't that are dealing with it in one way or another, you know, my grief right now. And I think I can say it because I know my parents don't listen to podcasts. My mom has dementia Oh wow. and it is, um, it is an odd, I mean, they're there. I have a little list for God when I get up there. A little thing, a couple of things I want to talk to him about. I know I'm not going to improve what he's already done, mm-hmm. but that's one of them. And to, to, I mean, I miss her so much and yet she's still here, you know, and, uh, it's just heartbreaking. I mean, that was one of the things that I felt like with what they did at that movie theater. That was all for my mom and she doesn't remember it, but she loved it in the moment, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, you just, I tell my siblings, you have to uh, grieve it while you're in it because it's not going anywhere, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And uh, my challenge now will be to remember her as she was and not as she is. And you will when she's gone. I you, think you so. Will. I, I believe that. I, I'll tell you this, when, when you, so losing a child is the craziest strangest ride and all the things that we say we believe in. I don't know that I believed, like hoped maybe more so than believed. But when you talk about feeling Johnny Cash, like no doubt in my mind, I felt, I mean, last weekend, Michelle and I are driving down the road and I, I just, man, I had this poof over me. Like he was there and mm. it was heavy and we were just going to get some takeout food to come home and watch Netflix. And we were just, you know, it was like I had a night off and we were just going to hang. And I just leaned, looked over at her and said, oof, I just had a really big wave of sage. And, she's, and she started crying. She's like, I just, I had it like two minutes ago on the interstate. And it was like sitting with us. I'm like, I don't even know how, that's, that's not even, we have a million specific little stories, but that's, that's just something that we both felt inside right away. I feel them so much that belief isn't even, it seems crazier to me to believe that the human spirit wouldn't continue after this. Like it's too strong, right? I agree. I mean, I think we're so small minded. I, this is just a little uh, footnote to my whole life. And it was a game changer for me. But after Lance and I split and I got diagnosed and I was grieving that being over and grieving the end of a dream and missing stepkids and facing mountain mortality, um, my fabulous friends in Hollywood set me up with this um, psychiatrist and I went in and I was like, oh my God, he looks like Santa Claus. I don't even know if I can get past this, right? So, um, and I, they, it, I want him to look like Santa Claus. Yeah, I mean, really, honestly, and he was ultimately. Um, I We did not really gel, but the one thing that he said to me that actually I look at it and go, okay, that was not a coincidence because I've carried it with me forever. Um, infinite possibility. The idea of one of the things he said was, you know, when things are absolutely 
just insurmountable. You feel like you cannot hold the weight of what you're dealing with. He's like, if you can just even mutter to yourself, thank you for infinite possibility. Because infinite possibility represents all the things our tiny pea brains limit us with. Like I always said, well, if only I can do this, if only I get, you know, marry somebody and then I'll have children and then da 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 da. I mean, this whole scenario, well, my life was gonna be different than that. I don't know, bigger, better, worse, whatever, however you, it was gonna be different and I limited it. You know, until everything was taken away. And then now I have these incredible boys. And I, I think that the veil of consciousness between the living and those who have gone on is so, so tiny that um, if you ask, and I really believe this, if you are awake and you are open, you will be connected through all of your living living lives all of your awake lives it's so thin yeah um i have so many friends who have lost people that will tell me about funny things that the person who's passed will do to remind them oh we, yeah we we have little funny. things that only you could know and it doesn't mean that he's lurking around because he's unhappy or he's not with jesus or he's not it just means that everything is everything we are all totally connected at all times yeah. and the bible is beautiful but man we limit god yeah yeah you know? I, I couldn't agree more um yeah god is all things like it's funny because all these denominations like everyone thinks the other one are a bunch of idiots the yes. catholics think the baptists are crazy and the baptists think the church of christ people's music sucks and the, everyone yeah somebody's wrong i just wipe that off the table and let god be all things and not limit limitless possibility. I believe that. And ours started literally with the funeral. I mean, we're we're in like our twenty one year old son is gone, and we had one of them started with we we were had decided on one funeral home and changed it to another one. And somewhere like on day three, they lost his body, and we were cracking up. We were like, "Oh my god, he gave us the slip one last time!" Like it was that time where you don't know they literally lost him for a day. And we're like, oh my God, he's, and then. And he is just cracking up and, a, and like the he, time of his life. He was a hoot. He was like, make you laugh, funny guy. And then the morning of the funeral, um, they have a limo, you know, funeral company. This is a very, it had been very classy up to, up to then. And they said, oh, sorry, we've had a, there's been some problem with the limos. They didn't show up. And this like lowered, like boom, boom limo that was falling apart, but like, 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 it looked like a like a gangster rap band was coming up and pulled up in that front yard and Michelle started like laughing so hard she goes, Oh my god, Sage, he, Sage loved rap music. Everything about that limo was him. It was gaudy and like, what is going on here? And we just start laughing because and it started early and it continues. But I mean, he had a sense of humor, he still does. I we feel it and it's the kind of thing where I would have patted someone on the head before probably and said, hey, if that makes you feel better, man, rock on. Right. But I've never been more sure of anything in my life. Like, it's it's really easy. I I mean, I for me, that is, um, that's just the beautiful testimony that um, spirit is infinite, forever connected. Um, and that's that's what gets me through. You know what I mean? I'm sure it probably does for y'all too. But I feel like, you know, even with my mom, I know that she will probably outlive my dad. Really? Um, 
Yeah, because I think that, you know, for the caregiver, the caretaker, like he doesn't want any help. He's 91. Mm-hmm. He don't want any help. Um, he's got this. Um, you know, I think there, I think all the way until the very end, um, she's in a process of unwinding and um, unraveling and eventually she will be back to herself. And I know that she will help us remember who she was. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm counting on it. Oh yeah. That, and that's, you know, even if it was just the memories and you didn't believe what we believed, I think that you would revert back and remember the, the years that she was herself, but being as we believe that they're active and something's happening. Yeah. There, there'll be, there's laughter in the pain and this yeah. growth in the, I don't know about you, but every, you've made a much better decisions overall as a group of life decisions probably than I have. But the, the worst spots I've been in have caused the most pain and then the most growth. Yes. I am absolutely nothing without the pain. Yeah. I'm getting sober after a bad run of drug addiction and alcoholism while being married, dragging everyone through the mud was the growth I needed to become someone who could even be sitting here right now. But whatever, and your decisions don't have to be as bad, but can whatever. You, can you at all like celebrate that can you feel the um can you feel the weight of what you're doing now i mean because honestly i feel like there's so many people that are that you don't even know about that are you're that you're um ministering to can you feel the weight of that i mean i know for you probably and for most people it is um essential and it's essential part of your healing too but man the gift that you're giving by your being able to be open about it is because it's no joke life is fucking it's hard yeah it is and if you're a feeling person and you're willing to show up there's a lot that goes with that you know i mean it's super kind of you to say and I don't know about feeling it, but I'll tell you this. This is funny because I mean, I've, I've been sober 18 years. So I've, I've been working a program and I, 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 I've sponsored people and I have a spot. I mean, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it to grow. I'd say in it to win it, but it's not um, It's not like everything else. It literally is something that causes honesty and selflessness and humility and whatever. But like this particular podcast and my group of dads that I meet with and whatever is the first thing I've ever poured my whole soul into for no that i have no design for personal gain from yeah there's never there's no back door of hey it's there's the no first grammy time I, for it no grammy for it and it's, there's uh, no rock hall of fame yeah, yeah there's, and there's probably no money in it and there's probably, i just it's the first time i've ever done anything just because i needed to do it and it's been rewarding in in ways that i can't you know like you can start. never even know i mean that's the thing i tell my kids all the time i have i have a kid that is um Maybe going to be an accountant. Um, I have another kid that might be a priest. I don't know. So we, and for as long as they've been alive, um, and they definitely, they came in together. They picked each other. They picked me. And, but whenever there's somebody that's asking for money, Wyatt is like, he's my older one. Mom, how much money do you have? Buddy, I got like $10. Mom, dig around. You know, and he wants to give him money. And then my other one is like, 
you know, he's just going to go around the corner and get in his Lambo and go down to his apartment down, you know, and I always say you, the, the blessing is in the intention after it passes from your hand. And I feel like every day now watching the absurdity that's taking place and the hate and the fear that people are latching onto as if it was religion Mm-hmm. That that it's the tiniest little things now. It is, I, and I hate to to like butt out because I do care, but like I can control this sphere, what I have right here, and what I can control, so I can make someone have a better day, or I could just pass it on. I mean, I, honestly, I'm, this is no joke. I'm like, oh my god, Cheryl going into the Hall of Fame Friday night, and I asked her to do this on Wednesday. The fact that you're here. I watch you that with your doesn't kids. Cha- I mean, that doesn't change. I mean, honestly, okay, just, Sunday, we land, we go straight to the ball field because we had a doubleheader. Because I know okay, that's who you so, are, right. And and let me tell you what, that's my happy place. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The Rock Hall, I mean, I I feel extremely blessed. And that, that goes into the category or the closet of all the blessings from all these years. And tucked away in there is cancer and tucked away in there is losing people I loved it you know it's all in there yeah um but right now this i was excited to get here and to talk to you and to see you and you know so good i mean on and it's funny because if if someone didn't know you like you're such a mom like you're you're just as mom as every mom there like you're you're there's no like Oh, let me You're, tell you what. My kids will straighten up and fly right. <laughs> every, okay, I, I wouldn't say every pony I run into, but at least five times. I've run into someone randomly that I didn't even know knew you, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, my kids are at Cheryl Crow's this weekend. Or, they, you know. We're, we're the boy house, yeah. I'll tell you oh, that. I Which you I love, yeah. you know. Yeah, we had the boy house. It, it yes. was very much the boy house Yeah. Here. And Michelle is like a boy mom. Like, it's I'm like, a there's mom. a thing about a boy mom, and she, she, she's, she's like. I do, I do tell the lord at least once a week god man you are so smart thank you because if you'd given me girls it would not have gone down well you know if i had to do somebody else's hair case in point Uh, but you know what i'm saying it's like i really do love um well you know it's funny because it's kind of like the if you want to hear god laugh tell him your plans thing the truth is i have to stop acting like i know what just happened and everything that happens like you're a really great single mom like you're you're enough for a, of a you're a dad and a mom like i watch you with your boys and you like you got it well and who you. knows what would have happened to those particular boys if yeah. you had i'll tell you something married interesting. lance armstrong and had other kids those um no i mean i always say i've loved some amazing people and i have and i've loved some other people too <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will tell you something interesting. And this these are the things that blow my mind. Because I I mean, I'm like you. I, I grew up Christian and then I dumped that. I got into meditating and felt like, you know, I was sort of more on the track of there are gods in all religion. And I do believe this. I do believe that people who seek God's face, I just don't believe that God is an evil God. I and I don't believe that God you know, decides if you go to the church of Christ, you're the only ones going to heaven. So, you know, I think there's a lot of people I love that think people are going to hell that just got. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Yeah. I got it. We'll we'll talk about that one. That's enough. But this is, this is what, these are the little things in my life. Um, When my 16 year old was three, um, he, I had just brought home his baby brother 
and um, he, I was feeding him and he was looking at a book. Now he is hyper-focused. He is, he is ADHD, so he's very hyper-focused. Um, so it's like squirrel. And he was pouring over this book at three. And uh, he said, oh, this, this reminds me of Africa. And I said, this reminds you of Africa. And he said, and I said, well, tell me about Africa. And he said, well, we lived in a house that had dirt floors and we, we had grass on the ceiling. And I'm like trying not to like squeeze all the milk into my kid's mouth. And he said, uh, I said, you lived in a, in a house that had, had floors that were dirt? And he said, yes. And there were lots of very big bugs. And then he just kept pouring on and I'm just like, okay. I've heard about kids talking about past lives before, so I'm just going to go with it. And um, I don't even know what the book was. I'm sure it was animated. And he, um, I said, well, tell me more about Africa. And he said, we had to walk a very long way. He said, we had to walk a long way for water. And I said, you had to walk for water? And he said, we had to walk through woods and down roads for water. And I said, well, was Levi there? And he said, yeah, he was there, but he was older than me. Like, you're an idiot, Mom. Yeah, he was there. And then I said, well, and a few minutes went by. I said, well, tell me more about Africa. And he said, I don't want to talk about Africa anymore. <laughs> and that was that. And it was so vivid that I I just feel like, you know, it's that limiting ourselves. We don't know everything. We can't know everything. I was going to say, I won't go, we won't go back into what we were just talking about. But this, how I handle it with my mother, who's awesome, but she's, she's like, spirit filled and you know it's very um it's all in but that we get our our things that we're just so absolutely sure about so there's some people that we love very dearly that don't believe like her and i said mom you think they're going to hell i don't know and i said that's a good answer by the way um thank you because 20 years ago it would have been like yeah they're going to hell because yeah. i don't believe this and um and i said i said let me ask you this if you had the switch and you could flip the switch that sent them to hell or sent them to heaven would you send them to hell Oh, no. God, of course not. I said, well, don't you think God has more grace than you? If we're his children, why is this? We're so, so my point of that is I'm not going to be surprised. Whatever he's got, I'm cool with it, especially because my son's there and I know he's there. That's all that matters to me. I mean, whatever, whatever we're doing. Someone's like, can we play golf in heaven? I'm like, whatever, bro. If you want to play golf in heaven, it's. The freedom in that. I mean, I tell my kids all the time, look, because there's a, there's a, there is an ongoing conversation at all times about gay people and about trans people. And, and this goes on in their age groups and they come home and ask hard questions. And I just say, look, um, the one thing we can all know is that God, you know, Jesus preached love. And the reality of that is, um, you love everyone as your neighbor. You, not only do you not have to judge, I mean, be be grateful in that. You don't actually get to judge either. So that's not even your job. So all you have to do is love. We're directed to do. That's the one thing we have to do. And and then uh, another conversation I was having, my mama said, the one time that I can remember in the Bible, because we did have to read it a lot as kids, we were steeped in it. But like the only time God said, depart from me, I never knew you, was when the person was going, hey, but I did this and I did this. I'm like, I'm cool with just falling on my face and going, hey, I don't know. I have I have nothing. And when we, we if, if whatever we believe can eliminate love, then we're on the wrong track. I mean, we have to learn how to love the people that we don't want to love. I totally agree. I want you to just 
I, I need that. I, I need that that part of this yes, conversation. Yeah. I need yeah. it to just roll it every morning. <laughs> just, just what he said. Oh, I have a quote. I'm supposed to start with this, but okay. I, I write a quote for everybody. Not write a quote. Okay. I sorry. I gather a quote. Yeah. Because your quote's from Albert Einstein, so I did not write Ooh, this. Quote. He's got the same birthday I do. Does he really? Me and Jan- Jennifer Aniston too. Really? Well, I think you and Albert Einstein <laughs> are more important than Jennifer Aniston, but. Okay, so it's creativity is seeing what others see and thinking what no one else has ever thought. Oh, wow. And that's what you do. And then I had another quote for you that because there's just so two that nice. came up when I was watching your documentary. And Keith Richards said, you either feel it or you don't, which I thought was amazing because that is so like. Le- thank you. Can we I'm, talk about music for a second? I would love to. Oh, I'm in the wonder of it. I was telling somebody the other day, I worked with Michael Jackson and, you know, to, and it, for me, it was the first time I actually looked at music as being you know there's there's two aspects to creativity or two two aspects to inspiration and one is is the ego that's a part of us that understands it crafts it knows what makes it great and then the other part of it is the divinity and only every once in a while do you get do you get to dip or you get dipped in the divinity of it you know and it doesn't happen as much as you want it to, but it's definitely there. You know, it's definitely something that you just go, you know, you hear songwriters go, Oh, I was just a vessel. And for that song, or I don't know where it came from. And I, I swear to me, it's like, okay, if I'm going to write definitions of what God is, that's one of them. Brett and I are just songwriters, but we've always written together. Most of we did just, a little bit. You're not just Yeah, not just, but, right, right. But we were we were going to come here and be rock stars. And then, I mean, I'm so thankful for the path. It's 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 what it should have been. But um, we have enjoyed playing a lot. We play 50 shows a year now, which is way more than we did in the middle of like songwriting time. Yeah. And um, whatever, this group of lawyers or whatever, they could, can or cannot get it. You know, they, they love what you're doing, but we yeah. will every now and then lock into an absolute Keith... And Ronnie moment, the plane wise, and no one would get it and no one would care. And it's just so, I'm not, and I'd be like, thank you, God, that I got to do this with my brother because, the, and we know when it is, it's just, you're just in a zone for like, yes. for like two minutes of yeah. something. Yes. And they, you know, they would have been happy if you just told a funny story about your song and sang the hit that you wrote. But man, there are moments that we're just like spiritually in sync. And it's like this, it's like I've surfed like twice it's in my like life. It's divinity. But, I yeah. mean, you're like tapping into something that's bigger than you. I love I'll it. Being honest with you from where we came, and I've told you this before, and you like poo-poo it because you're humble and whatever. But I mean, you were like my favorite artist for a five-year span. Musically, what the Rolling Stones, a lot of the feel that they had, the flat seven and the open tuning, but you did it with a smile and they did it with a smirk. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wasn't as cool as they are. Nobody's as cool as they are. He wouldn't want to be. A girl that was as cool as them is, you know. I wanted to be Keith, but you know. Any girl as cool as the Rolling Stone dies at 27. You know what I mean? You can't. True. It's like you're yeah. the closest thing. And another thing is I love the Stones. Like I, if you're a Beatles or a Stones person, I'm a Stones person. They, you know, they divide you into groups. But their songs aren't always like the most palatable hit songs. Yeah. You took like great catchy songs and put Rolling Stones with them. I mean, it's zero surprise to me that they love you so much because you really did it. Like it was, um, there was, there's at the beginning of it makes you happy Mm -hmm. and you play the G and you play that sus chord and it's a little different because you do high. I mean, I, we have that on five, six songs that we've gotten cut by other people. I mean, I play it every awesome. night in some form or another. And that's Keith. I mean, that's totally so Keith. Key. Yeah. I mean, I don't who, know. If- who only uses five strings? 
So I, you know. I was going to say it's not key, how Keith did it because Keith uses five strings and it's tuned to open G or open yeah, D. Yeah, open uh, open G. Yeah, yeah, open G. So it's it's really it's kind of fun to play one song like that and then I'm kind of lost. And then I'm you're like, limited. Yeah, what else do you yeah. do? I'm trying to play a solo here. I'm, <laughs> I'm tuned to this craziness. But like, what was your? How did you become a Stones? I mean, you had um, to have some. I mean, honestly, uh, because I grew up in a small town, and I'll tell you what was happening musically when I was growing up was like Foreigner, Kansas, Boston. All those bands were great. I mean, they could play. The musicianship was incredible. I just couldn't get it. You know what I mean? It didn't feel like... It's kind of uh, slick. It's kind of slick. And um, I couldn't play guitar very well. I was in a band called Athena and the Hubcaps. And we just, you know, we learned Rolling Stone songs and I could figure out how to play those, you know, and that's where it started. And then I started digging back into like Beggar's Banquet and Let It Bleed. And those became like huge records. And then I started going back and listening to country music, like where they got it, because those two records, it sounded like they were trying to be American country, you know, Mick doing his twang and, um, and so I started getting back into like Jimmy Rogers and, yeah. and of course Johnny and I don't know I just I just seemed to sort of gravitate towards that as a teenager as a teenager wow mm-hmm. and then I went to college got in a cover band I mean the music that I that was of my period was just not my thing it's like yeah. quarter flash yeah. and you know and that's how you do something different yeah if yeah the and music I learned the all that is your thing, then- I think learning it I mean I'm always telling kids get in a cover band but I don't know what they'd play now because you can't play anything current they play music they play our music like yes from, from, I mean the stuff that we would have covered they play your song I mean that's yeah. what they would cover because the last 20 years haven't given us coverable material yeah I mean I guess they play some country music I mean yeah, a lot of it yeah. yeah yeah later in life gotten into the soulful thing but as a young rock kid as a boy you're just ch- you're doing it to impress girls and chase girls but you probably didn't care about like guys following you or whatever you were really doing music I didn't music. care about guys um, but you weren't I trying mean, to get a, a load of them to follow no, you around no I was definitely not and yeah. and I went to college and studied music so it wasn't like oh. you know I got my degree in classical piano which is just when I think about it I was gonna say I, I, how because my brother's a lot like you but he's not study but he can play everything he literally yeah. can play Brett can play everything a really good harmonica really good bass really? a drummer um pretty good piano player b3 player and yeah. and he plays guitar yeah um i always just i'll just be better on guitar than you and then you can play everything else and yeah do that. but you play everything like, i really see, I well. say like, i'm like a problem solver as a musician like yeah, i can play yeah. by ear yeah and i can play well by ear but not like like the greats and so other instruments for me were like okay how do you play it well let me figure it out and I'm that's and that is the way I'm in life. Well, let me figure it out. Like, my car's not running right. Well, let me check the oil. I mean, I'm just like, let me figure this out. And that's, you know, I think part of like, it's funny. I had Mike Elizondo pro- produce these songs, and they don't sound like my production. They're so good. You know what I mean? <laughs> my production sounds like somebody who's trying to figure it out. You know? Oh, I and, love. But, that's, but it has its thing, you it know what I mean? It is a thing, and I'm telling you, for a for an eight-year span, you made the best music in the world. That's not, and by the way, that's not just saying, that's also, the, the music, every era has its thing. Um, I have to tell this story. I don't know if you remember this, but I, I think we told, I told you one other time, but the first time we ever met you, Brett and I were brand new signed. 
I think it was 1998 or 99, which means we've kind of known each other a long time. A long time. You probably didn't even remember us, but we were, it was at the Sundance Music Festival. We were super drunk because we always were back then. Okay, 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 and, yes. And um, we played some show and you and Stuart Copeland. Yes! Came and sat in with a band. Yes! We played before you guys. Oh and then they gosh. had like a house band that was going to play with you and Stuart Copeland. And these guys were so stoked. They were like our age. Um, no, no, they were younger than us. We, we were late twenties, but you and you were playing, and you were in your bass player phase, and, and I always thought that was the coolest thing because you really could play the bass. You know, it's, it's easiest instrument well. to play, I mean, you know. hardest instrument to play. Right? You you guys got up and with no like no rehearsal, of course, because you just and you were getting ready to play, and the band started playing, and you stopped the band. And you said, hey, man, let me see the bass. And you took the bass off of the bass player and laid it down. And you and Stuart Copeland just gave everyone an absolute ball-crushing lesson on groove and feel. And that bass player, like, sulked away <laughs> into what? the night. It was I, you awesome. Did, I remember, it was the coolest I remember, thing I've ever I seen I probably was life. drunk, too. I remember Stuart Copeland. I remember that night. I remember playing. But I don't remember. What did we play? I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. We played... Um, Okay, there was a movie coming out called Dill Scallion, which is a really weird little uh, like spinal tap of country. I had a song in it. We had a song yes. in it. Right, right. Yes. You had a great song in that. What yeah. was it called? Uh, Stay. Stay. I think it was called Stay. It was like you and a slide guitar, really, really empty. Stay. Wasn't it? it was either called Stay or Still. 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 Yes, still. it was called it Still. It was called Still. It was awesome. And the guy that produced it was my second fiance. Are you kidding? My second and Keith one. Gattis, not my first one. Who we just talked one. about. Had a great song on there called yes. "Going Back to Austin." It was yes. a little soundtrack. Yeah. Yes, actually, the soundtrack from that movie was it was good. Was good. I can't remember. We yeah. had a song on. I can't remember what it was. It probably wasn't very good. I didn't love it. Funny. But and the girl that went the, on to be in David Costner. He and Billy Burke and we did Folsom Prison Blues, and they sang it. And then we played a couple of our songs. Okay. And then you and Stuart Copeland came and played with his band. And you took the bass from that guy. It was the coolest thing. Because you just went, hold on. You stopped him about the third bar. Like, hold on. Give me the bass. <laughs> and you put it on. Just, oh, I just so say, funny. I could, I could be a dick. No. Every once in a while. <laughs> one person didn't love that. And everyone else did. So you like affected my life in a really oh positive God. way. I don't know if you remember you and um, Brett and um, Tim, Tim McGraw and... Uh, Harry Connick Jr. In New York. Yes, in New York. It. Where? What club was that? I think it was a like a big place, wasn't it? Wasn't I don't it remember, arena? but I remember Harry playing the Hammond, and he was like way over, like almost in the wings. And uh, yeah, that was fun. I feel so bad about that night because I remember that night. It might be the second time we ever ran into you. Okay. But it was... Um, I, I only have good memories from that, so I don't know. It was well, but we, we had been to dinner with... Um, so Tim and Faith, she was shooting the movie The Stepford Wives, and Harry Connick Jr. Okay. and his wife Jill Goodacre, yeah. and then Glenn Close came to dinner, and Brett and I were sitting there. So was we were. Glenn there that night? She too? was. She didn't come to your show. Okay. She just went to dinner. Yeah. Like she was just past her bedtime by then. Yeah. But um, it was this obviously very famous table, and Brett and I are sitting there, and I said, I, I keep people keep looking over at this table wondering who's with the Warren brothers and it's getting a little embarrassing. <laughs> you know. So we made a bit. Anyway, Harry Connick Jr. was so funny. His first night, the only time yeah, I've ever met him. So funny. We had such a good time, but Brett and Tim and I, all three got so drunk. I um, I don't actually remember that much about it either. I mean, you know, I had my years too, you know? Yeah, how did I that did. go? Did you ever get into the weeds? Um, Well, you know, I would say that, um, and I've talked to Not my kids. Not the weed, but the I've, weeds. Yeah. I, um, I don't have that addictive gene. I just don't. Yeah. Like I could go on a, you know, drink a lot 
and then not drink again for ages, you know? Same yeah. with smoking. Like I could smoke a pack of cigarettes and then not smoke again, you know, party yeah. smoker or whatever. I didn't have that. But now <clears throat> I've talked to both my boys because. Um, I was going to ask you, would you, what if your boys want to smoke weed? I mean, not no, now, they're, obviously. They're but young, um, but I've been really open with them. I mean, you know, when I think about the way I was raised, my God love my parents, but they never talked about anything. I mean, no parents <laughs> did. You know what I mean? Mine like, did constantly. And that's, really? Voila. <laughs> well, my, my parents what drank and smoked a ton and they were oh, musicians. They? Oh, yeah. And I, they just never, you know, it was, you, you will fly right. You that's know? proof that you're born with a lot of this addictive gene. There is a, there, I mean, I have choices to make. I can go yeah. to meetings and I can be sober, but you're born with the addictive gene. I, I think so too. It. And my kids are adopted. So I don't, you know, I, I talked to them about it. Frankly, look, you know, you will get to an age where kids are going to start drinking. They're going to start smoking. And I tell my boys, look, if you do, um, you you call me and there will be no questions asked. I will come get you. I'll come get your kid. You know, all that. Because I lost two of my best friends in high school. Wow. Uh, prom, driving home. Uh, fell asleep, went head on into a 18-wheeler driving back. Because, you know, we lived small town. You drove out in the country, got your date. And, um, and back then, the drinking and driving was frowned upon, but it wasn't. I didn't even know it was illegal, like, so much. I mean... We didn't have seatbelts, so yeah, I'm really yeah, exactly. aging myself yeah, here. No, People oh, didn't yeah. get in their car and put their seatbelt yeah, on. Yeah. So. Oh, um, I first started. Yeah. Just. Yeah, and you know, I I don't mean I don't know. I just think, um, I've told my boys. Look, I made my first record. I drove through the canyon, and didn't remember how I got home. And it's not funny. It's not fun, but it is. And that's when you get down on your knees and you go, Lord, I know you want me alive. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you want me alive, but I'm going to, I'm a, it's payback, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know. you'll probably, you've been around this long enough, and I know that you've worked with addicts because you, you can't have been in a good band without working with an addict or two. I've not only worked with addicts, I've been, I've dated, dated them I've for, yeah, sure. And you'll probably know if one of your kids has the gene. And it's not like there's not a gray area because there is. No. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, agree. When Sage was 10, I told Michelle, I said, he's an alcoholic. And she's like, what are you talking about? He's 10. I go, he has every other characteristic, character quality. And by the way, some of them good. I love alcoholics. They're, man, they're, they're, they are good, I, I, solid, yeah. mean what they say, get into it, people. They're intense. Big feelers. Big feelers. Big feelers. We'll go there. We'll go deep with you. Recovering alcoholics were the guys that would delve with me into grief at a drop of a hat for no reason at all, just because. And my other friends who are normal, and just, by the way, I'm so blessed that we had so many great people, but it was just more difficult for them to do. An alcoholic can just jump right into the hole. They're so, I mean, I love it. They know the hole and they're not afraid of it. I mean, uh, it, uh, yeah. My favorite group of people, if I can be there. But you can recognize it early and it's... it's um. And you can't, I mean, I, I you know, I... I I definitely think you can see it early on. I'm not going to say about my kids. Um, they 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 have they come from a different um, set of genes than me, and you and you can't preach it out of a kid. You can't preach it out of a person. You know, you can only just give the best kinds of tools you can. And I mean, my kids know that there's nothing they can do that would permit prevent me from loving them. Yep. I mean. Yep. And outside of that, you know, you just, 
are braced and you pray and you are there, you know, I, I don't know what else. You just, you meet it, I guess. Yeah. I where mean, it the, is. The, the truth is that Sage's death has made Michelle and I better at everything, except for missing him is painful, but I'm better at everything. I mean, just living life, being in the moment, being a better husband, father, friend, uh, brother. I would say it has had only positive effects on us because of where we were in life, what we were choosing to do. But um, you can't help but have, there's there's guilt. I, I have to, by the way, if you want to cut this out, we can't. I don't know if you want to talk about it. But I was really moved in your in the documentary when you talked about the, the leaving Las Vegas guy. Mm. Um, the... This is a guy that wrote a book and you titled the song after and he yeah. didn't give him credit and I will say this you didn't give him credit on Jay Leno or David Letterman yeah. or something and then the guy wound up killing himself thank you for tuning in to the Good Grief Good God show here is a preview of part two premiering on Tuesday February 20th check the description for links I do not like who I was when I was involved with Lance and everyone on this planet is is lovable and is deserves to be loved. Um, and my problem with Lance is was me. Um, I didn't I did not like who I was. And when I came out of that and I had breast cancer, the two of those together um, made me revisit who I was. As always, the Good Grief, Good God show is brought to you in loving memory of Sage Michael.